Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another week, another opportunity to change the world. Today's guest is Lee Carraher. And in today's episode, we are talking, what do you know? personal brand. We're talking about how to figure out your gift of insight, the tools to build a strong personal brand, values and options that it provides for you, and basically the building blocks of making sure you stand out in a world that is very, very big. We also dive into her new book, The Boomerang Principle, and we talk a little bit about what exactly that means. Yeah, that's a really good episode. And one of the ironic things about this is that I had always been uh, subscribe to a newsletter. And so when her PR publicist reached out to me to have her on my show, I was incredibly humbled. I was telling her, I was like, I basically read you every week. And now you want to, you know, your publicist said that you should be on my show. So that's incredibly humbling. So that was just a moment of gratitude for me. But before we get into the episode, daily reminder, rather weekly reminder of the Thought Leader Academy enrollment still going on closes on the 14th. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes, but it is for aspiring thought leaders who want to build movements, who want to know how to build a personal brand, attract paid speaking opportunities, and also launch movements or courses or things that are basically centered around their expertise. We'd love to see some of you in there. We'd love to see all of you in there, but all the details to that will be in the show notes. But now let's take some time to listen. To leave. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. Today's guest is Lee Carraher. She is the author of The Boomerang Principle, Inspire Lifetime Loyalty from Your Employees. She's an entrepreneur and CEO with over 20 years' experience building positive, high-performing work teams that get a lot done well. Fun at the same time. It's a good combination. She's a highly sought-after communications expert, well-known for her business, building acumen and insights. She's recognized for her practical solutions to big problems, and she's the founder and CEO of Double Forte, a 15-year national public relations digital media agency headquartered in San Francisco. We're going to be talking a lot about what her new book is, The Boomerang Principle, how to create a boomerang-ready culture, the power of culture in business, as well as the best way to attract and retain 
my generation, millennials, and younger Gen Z in the workplace. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Lee. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor to be with you. Well, the pleasure is mine. Well, one of the things that I've noticed about you, just from the few minutes of talking to you, is that you are infectiously authentic. You're not ashamed <laughs> of who you are. So please tell us that journey. <laughs> what led Lee to just be this so comfortable with herself? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we need um, maybe a drink with a with an umbrella in it to make that. <laughs> Ah, ah, man. <laughs> you know what? I can tell you, I've been doing this for a long time. I, you know, I, I have a degree from medieval history, which I find useful every day, but I don't use that knowledge every day, right? And I've been in public relations my entire career, which is very unusual. And when I tell millennials that, they're like, you've done one thing for your whole career. I mean, how boring is that? Um, and, uh, but I, you know, this is my true calling. My true calling is I'm here to help good people do great things. And I'm so lucky that I found this profession so early on in my life, uh, and was able to perfect it in terms of, uh, being comfortable in my skin. Um, you know, uh, that is a long, I think your generation's much better at this than my generation was. I'm i I'm the last year of boomer, but, uh, I believe that we all have gifts. And if you can find that gift and you can bring it forward to the world that you, um, you know, you have a lot to offer and you shouldn't apologize for your gifts. Um, just like you need to compensate for the things that you're weak at, you shouldn't apologize for your gifts. And I'm super comfortable with the fact that I have a lot to offer. So I think that's where it comes from. Yeah, no, no, that's amazing. And, and I think the common thread that I have with a lot of guests, and I've done over 300 of these, is a lot of times it's you know really being comfortable who they are. That's when a lot of times people start to realize their gifts or actualize that gift, whether it's through struggle, whether it's through success. Having that sense of, of who you are always helps propel you. And if you lose mm -hmm. that, then start to crumble. So It's so true. Um, and in my work, in my company, we try to help um, – people of all ages um, understand themselves as fast as possible because I do think that knowledge for me came later. You know, um, I can really think that the tipping point for me was when I turned 30 and I took myself on my first vacation by myself and uh, just had a lot of epiphanies that uh, I can just, I, I remember that vacation so well um, that I came back out of that vacation going, I just, you know, this is who I am. Yeah. If they're, you know, and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we do at my company do a lot of things that bring the the gift of insight to people um, early on with tools and, and reading and all that kind of stuff and personality tests and all that kind of stuff so that people at least have the tools that they can either can understand themselves and the people around them better. Because the more you can understand yourself and the more you can appreciate the people around you and their differences from your differences, uh, the better we can all work together. Yeah, this is good. I was I was going to ask this earlier, but can you talk to us about the importance of building a strong personal brand? Sure. You know, there's nothing more important for an individual today who is not independently wealthy <laughs> than to have a strong personal brand. And what a brand is really is what people say when you're not there, um, what people know about you and they don't have to be reminded of. And um, to build a strong personal brand um, you know, we're in an incredible time where people can do this and they can take so much more control of, of their own persona um, and their own how people view them because, through social media. Um, and really the value of the strong personal brand is options. 
And I think most of us just don't want to be in a corner having to do something, but to have options in the world uh, for employment, for revenue generation. And the more you have, um, the more you are known for something that you actually deliver on, the more options you have in this world. And, and that's why it's so, so important. Yeah, no. And so it's, it, you know, someone's listening saying, well, I get the importance. What are the building blocks? What can I yeah. do right now to start that? So depending, um, so the first piece is to have a rock solid um, LinkedIn profile, regardless of your age, if you're 20, if you're 18, if you're 65, you know, yeah. <laughs> your LinkedIn profile from for a career starts there. Even if you're a social media influencer, you want to have a LinkedIn profile that um, because that is really the basis for so much uh, connection and network um, and opportunity. You may not find the job through LinkedIn, but you'll find a person who'll find another person who'll get you a job. And really today, it always sort of goes back to LinkedIn. So LinkedIn's the first place. Um, if you are young, uh, maybe you're in college or going into college or coming right out of college, you know, clean up that Facebook page, man. Clean, <laughs> clean it up. <laughs> clean up your link. Clean up your Instagram feed. Clean all that stuff up. And, and I say that not because uh, you're doing anything wrong, because you're not. You're probably not doing anything wrong. Um, but people bring a lot of judgment to what they see if they don't know you. And so you might have some, you know, fun pictures up there that, you know, it was a rock out. It was so much fun. I was working all week and I let loose, but people don't know that that's when you let loose and you've been working so hard. So, you know, clean it up. So, or, or clamp it down, right. So that it's private and other people can't tag you in photos. Uh, there's so much judgment. You see it every day. I mean, we're living in a weird time right now. That is for sure, politically and um, just let's just talk politically and culturally, right? Um, and the more you can take control of what people see of you, the more the better it is. Particularly what, the younger you are, you just don't. Wanna, it's sort of like having a neck tattoo. If you have a neck tattoo, I'm all for tattoos. My husband has many tattoos. I'm st- st- scheduled to get my first tattoo uh, <laughs> at Christmas time. I'm all for tattoos, but I'm not for having them on my neck when I'm 23 unless that's all I want to have. You know, whatever job I have has to be able to accept having a neck tattoo at 23. And I don't know. At 23, do you really know what you want to do for the rest of your life? No. So get your tattoo where people can't see it if you don't want them to see it. You know, just have Ooh. a lot of options. And so that's that's really the thing, right? The next thing for so uh, personal brand is, you know, what do you want to be known for? What do you want people to call you for? You know, I, I always recommend... Uh, to anybody today, you know, um, you know, get ready to have two sources of revenue. Don't just count on that one job. Do you have something you can turn on as a freelancer uh, if your job goes away? And we've all seen it happen. Most of most millennials have seen their parents be impacted uh, this way and get stuck, right? And and most millennials today have had their parents tell them, "Don't get stuck in a job. Don't get stale. You know, don't count on your employer. All that kind of stuff." Well, that's not not true. That that can def- definitely be true. Um, and so what do people want to, you want people to know about you? Do you want people to know that you're creative? Do you want them to know that you're trustworthy? Do you want them to know that you're a great writer or that you're, um, can, um, make stuff happen? What do you want them to know? And then you put the stuff out into the world that lets people understand that you know those things. So for instance, um, I'm known, uh, as a communicator, public relations person. I'm also known as a person who, um, uh, cares a lot about the culture and building positive businesses. And so you'll see in my social media, I talk a lot about those two things. <laughs> I talk a lot about how to be a leader in uh, a 
culturally diverse, intergenerational diverse environment that's changing and is not very comfortable for a lot of boomers. And I talk about communications, how to be a great communicator as a person and as a company. And those are really the two things I talk about over and over and over again. So if you were to look for me, those are the two themes you'd find. So if you found yourself at a jam on communications, you go, oh, you know what? Let Lee Carraher, I heard about her. Let me check her out. You go to my LinkedIn, you see all my blog posts, you're like, yeah, she knows she's talking about you, call me. And that's really what a, a personal brand is about. And it's what you put into the world about yourself and what you put into the world about the things you want to be known for. Right, right. No, I love I love what you just said. And the truth of the matter is you are a multidimensional, talented freak of a talent, Lee. And it <laughs> it, 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 it is uh and it, it it's true. I mean I, I you know, the, for those listening, I you know, I've I subscribe to um, a lot of Lee's content and I had no idea that one day, you know, her PR strategist would reach out to me and say she should be on your show. I was just like, Oh, I love her stuff and she has great things. And then it's just out of, you know, sheer luck because of the work that we're both doing in cross cultural. Com- oh, I guess I'm a lot of cross cultural communication and we both have that mutual. It makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. It makes a lot of sense for yeah. us to know each other. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. The same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I kind of want to paint that picture for the audience in the sense that mm-hmm. I do a lot of similar things to what Lee does, but I do it maybe with a different angle, right? You know, the fact that I yep. lived in five countries, four continents, my thin stratos generations, as well as diversity and inclusion. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I also talk about the personal brands and talking about how to use media to sort of build your career and become what you're saying in this gig economy. And yep. how is it the two people who look completely different, different genders, different nationalities, yeah have that right now on the same podcast. And when anyone's listening and saying, I don't want to do something because you do the same thing I do and it's crowded. Right. It's not about no. the fact that you, we do the same thing. It's the fact that it, everybody, you being you is enough to have a different spin on that. But you have to have yeah. a commitment to the first thing we started the podcast with who you are. And that's why you yeah. do that assessment. Um, I love I that. So I so agree with you. Tal. I think that the, you know, I think when people are worried because, oh, there's someone in this space, you know, we live in a pretty big country. <laughs> you know? It's a very big there world, are- <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. And we live in a pretty big world, right? So yeah. 300 million people, you know, you got a pretty good business if you get 10,000 people listening to you. Exactly. And truly, <laughs> truly, 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 um, you only need five customers who pay you well, basically, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. and when you can find people who are like-minded and they have a different spin and like you and I together, if we showed up together, this is what we need to do, Tal. You and I are going to go together. Yes. And it's going to look like, you know, I'm going to look like a, such a funny daddy next to you. But we have the same enthusiasm for difference, right? Yeah. And we have the same enthusiasm for potential. And we have, a th- you know, we believe in greatness, um, and the more people can see that people can work together who believe the same things, the more I think that is a powerful message and we can all be amplified. You want to be around people who can amplify you, not people who can just who just think of you. Oh, you're the only person who can do that because that onlyness is not powerful. Exactly. Uh, your yeah. onlyness is, you know, uh, talent has his onlyness. I have my only things I can bring based on my experience, only things that he can bring based on his experience. But together... You know, people could see us together and go, wow, there's so much opportunity in the world. If we can just imagine that our differences are powerful. Magic could happen. I, I always say use your difference to make a difference. I'm going to ask you that yeah. later at the end. But that, that is the exact point. Um, the fact that the matter is you can reach an audience that I can't reach and I can reach an audience that you may not be able to reach as well. It's this, it's, there's just certain type of things, but we have to have that 
confidence in self and confidence in ability. And that comes from, you know, first of all, having the confidence to brand yourself as such and then being able to back it up with your content, with your expertise and with your showing up that way. You've shown up, though, Lee, (laughs) multiple times, but you've also shown up recently with your book. Your book is called The Boomerang Principle. Before we dive into what the book is about, what is The Boomerang Principle? Sure. The Boomerang Principle is a belief that companies and individuals who who encourage people to return to them after they've left are stronger than companies that don't um, or individuals that don't. So what that means is that when someone leaves your company to go pursue their other desires, their other goals, that you do not say they're dead to me, that you do not feel abandoned by them, but you wish them well and you welcome them back. And when you can be that place where people can return to over time, and they might return as a partner, they might return as a recruiter for you, like, oh, I found, oh my gosh, you need to meet Tao. He's he's so awesome. You need to hire him, you know. Uh, I used to work for you, Tao, and then, um, uh, and I've left to do something else, but you don't say, you know, she's dead to me. I don't say you're dead to me. I say, thank gosh, I was at your company, and I learned so much with you. I'm out in the world doing other things right now, and I found a body, I found a person that you should work with who's going to implement and, you know, make your business so much bigger, and I bring that person to you not because you paid me, but because I'm loyal to the fact that you had goodness in, you know, your business was a good one for me to be at, right? So that's really, you know, how you create people and um, former employees and former colleagues who return to you over and over again when you're not paying to, not paying them to do that. That's what really loyalty is. And I think what we talk about is, oh, they're not, they're left me, they're not, they're, they're disloyal. Well, I paid you. That is actually not an act of loyalty. That is a transaction of employment. Right. Um, loyalties really should be measured over a, a person's entire career, not when you're paying them, not when they're on the payroll. And if you can create companies that actually generate this kind of loyalty, one, you're being you're creating a much larger footprint in the world, and two, you're creating value for people to stay. You know, companies that are easy to return to are hard to leave. And the longer we can keep people in our companies today, particularly when millennials believe they should not stay in a job more than four or five years, which to those of boomers in the room, that's a little short period of time. Right? <laughs> um, you just don't become valuable really until your second year in a job. Um, and if you're already out the door at second year, you know, that's where a lot of this tension comes from in the generations. Um, but if you can create a place where people stay even an extra year than they thought, well, you first of all, you saved your company $100,000 minimum. And second, you're showing people around you that it's worth to stay here. And then if you have a place where people return to in some way, shape, or form, you are demonstrating to the people who are already in your boat that they should, you know, pull the oars a little harder. Right. And that's where, you know, that's where sustainability comes from is when people return to you over and over again. Wow. And, and actually, it is the path of re- least resistance in business not to have to keep introducing yourself to new people over and over and over again. Wow. Yeah, no, that does definitely create sustainability. And so you're advocating that companies need to learn how to create that. And in your book, you have yeah. steps to, to figure out I how do. to create that. Yeah. yeah. Step one through seven. So, you know, the first thing is to change your attitude about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. The second thing is not to wait to train. You know, a lot of times uh, companies wait to train, uh, wait to make sure, you know, the person is a good person to stick around. And they, they, they waste, uh, frankly, they waste development 
uh, development time and dollars on people who have already, you know, later than they should have it, right? Or they uh, put leadership development only on the people who have demonstrated they're going to stay for a while. And you need leaders at every level of your organization. And and the more training you give people, the more people like the fact that you're helping them advance their careers and the more people are invested in the company they're in. So that's the next thing. The third thing is to have, you have to have high, high standards. I'm not advocating for just being a place where everybody just comes whenever they want to do and they do whatever they want to, you know, that's not what I'm telling you. You have to have high standards of work because work only works if it works. And what I mean by that is, People only pay you if the work is good. So the work has to be good, and then you have the culture that goes along with the work that accommodates it, right? Um, And uh, with that accommodation is understanding that people, all people are in a different phase of their life. So you and I might be sitting next to each other, and we might both be single have, you know, have interests outside of work and, but you might be caring for your mother in another country. I might be caring for, um, uh, my sister's son, you know, you just don't know what's going on. And we all have things that are going to pull us away. So the more we can understand each other's conditions, then we can set the work up. So actually the work is excellent and we, and we tend to our lives, you know, because this will be a bigger and bigger, bigger deal in the next 20 years as um, the boomer generation, which is right now between the ages of 53 and 68, you know, ages out and becomes chronically ill, which is what will happen, you know. Um, That's number, whatever number I'm on. Um, Transparency is vital, right? You have to share, you know, first of all, every company that you know is going through transition right now. There is no company that's not going through transition. And, um, and, well, there are some, and they're about to be out of business. So <laughs> you need to be in a company that is embracing the fact that they are have to change. And um, you want to be with people in a, in a leadership group that's looking out into the future and saying, okay, we're doing this really well right now. In a couple of years, we're going to have to do something a little bit differently. It's going to be different. But, and so I'm going to help you be different and be relevant in the future, right? And, you, and then the third, and whatever number I'm on, each individual has to be relevant also, right? So not the company is actually not responsible for making you relevant. The company is responsible for making the company relevant. So we each individually have to keep ourselves relevant. And then as a company, um, you know, having creating an alumni program, anybody who worked in my company is now part of Double Forte Alumni Group. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. 
From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's not true. There's only three people who aren't part of it because they're not boomerang eligible. They're not allowed to come back. But, (laughs) uh, you know, but creating an alumni group that keeps former employees attached to the company um, in a private network. So I, my company's small. I use Facebook, uh, private Facebook groups, but some companies are very large and they use uh, proprietary software and systems for this. Like McKinsey is the gold star for this. Absolutely the, you know, the rock solid gold star. And they have their own proprietary system. But keeping people informed about what you do so that when an opportunity they see in the world makes sense for the company they used to be at, they bring it to you. This is the way that people you can drive down recruiting costs, drive down recruiting time, find better partners, find better opportunity. Um, much like a college, right? A college, uh, colleges rely on their alumni not only for money, but also to help um, identify and help matriculate the best students for their um, stu- schools. And uh, in a corporate alumni program, you don't have to ask for any money, but you get you get the great benefit of um, of that attachment and the longer people are away from you, the more they can appreciate what you've done for them. Absolutely. Now nah, you're such Those a step. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for being so gracious with that. And obviously, if you want to get more of those, make sure you buy the book and check out the book, The Boomerang Principle. Um, and it's inspire lifetime loyalty from your employees. It's a sustainable way to make sure that loyalty stays in place and you have an effective PR system that's generating uh, a great employer brand for you. So check it out and we'll make sure we'll put that in the show notes. So you've also done a lot of work with millennial management. I think that was, was that your first book or was that? My first book, Millennials and Management. Yeah. Okay. So millennials and Gen Zers, those are the Mm -hmm. the next, well, I mean, we we actually live in a place where five generations are now getting to work. So Mm A lot of the work, obviously, uh, you know, it's the buzzword. How do you attract and retain millennials? How do you mm-hmm. attract and retain Gen Zers? Tell me mm-hmm. from your experience what you've seen that uh, my generation and the younger generation um, needs. Yeah. Well, I wrote my first book, Millennials and Management, out of, um, out of my experience of abject failure, actually, at retaining millennials. <laughs> and, I mean, 100% failure. And when I, in my career, I'd never had 100% Failure on recruiting and retaining people. Um, so when I started looking at it, one, I didn't know what a millennial was. I'm like, what's what's this millennial thing? Um, it's so negative. Everything, there's nothing positive that you could read about a millennial. Yeah. And it's so short-sighted. There is no possible way an entire generation of 80 million people is entitled. It's just statistically impossible, it's, right? It's, it's so have, unbelievably lazy uh, journalist, uh, journalist work. I, I, well, that's also, just, uh, <laughs> you know, it's because in today's world we're all journalists, right? It's blogs and podcasts and, you know, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> um, I decided to ignore it all and uh, figure it out myself. So I interviewed over a thousand millennials and, a th- you know, another thousand um, work uh, professionals to figure, not to write a book, but actually to figure it out for my company. Because, you know, if you don't have a millennial in your business today, you do not have a future in your business, period. And uh, for those of us who are older, you know, get over yourself. 
You need to, <laughs> we wanted them, you know, the, the difference between millennials and boomers is that millennials talk about it. That's basically the difference. Um, and all the things that particularly boomer women, particularly boomer women have been working for, uh, pay equality, uh, work-life balance, um, you know, shared work, all that kind of stuff. Well, you work for it to make it better for the people behind you. You may not actually achieve it in your own lifetime. The difference is we didn't think we'd be working this long. We really, boomers really thought they were going to be done by the time they were 50. And, uh, yeah, that's come and gone. Yeah. And most boomers are going to work past 65 because that's just the reality of the economy. So, uh, what I, so that's where it comes from. That's where my knowledge comes from. And so where's what I've learned. One is just, you know, when I was coming up, you just did things because people told you to. And this does not work, right? Just because I told, I told you, don't try that. It, don't try that at home. Don't try that in the workplace. It's not effective, right? <laughs> so providing context, why are you coming to work every day? What is our purpose together? What are we going to accomplish together? And what is my role in this purpose that is going to accomplish something great together? If you cannot provide context, uh, stop what you're doing and figure it out so that you can provide the context, right? right? Because we all work better when we understand why we're working, right? We all work better when we understand why we do things a certain way. That's number one. Um, vision is super important. This generation, uh, what I've come to understand, would rather, first of all, you need to know, 37% of working millennials still live at home, right? So that's because their parents let them, you know? <laughs> I don't know, it's not that hard to figure out. Um, but there's a safety net there that uh, other generations may not have had, right? And this generation would rather, you know, um, be a barista than work at a soul-sucking job. And I hear that almost every day in San Francisco. I could be walking down Market Street and someone will say that in front of me. Well, I'm going to quit that job because it's soul-sucking. And you can see a lot of these kind of examples. Well, it's soul-sucking Every job can be soul-sucking if you don't understand. My job can be soul-sucking. Your job can be soul-sucking if we don't understand why we're doing it and how it all works together. So really that context and that vision about the future is so, so important. Um, the understanding people's roles and everybody's role and how I fit with that role is also important. And then I think also having that high standard of work, making sure that you're giving feedback early and often and not not worrying about um, being perceived as a mean person. And I, I don't know you well enough to swear, but um, I mean, people have things, done it before. It's okay. <laughs> things that start with a B or things that start with an A. Ah. Uh, <laughs> because the worst thing you can do is let someone be wrong for six months because you didn't want to confront them and tell them, no, that's, you need to be in your seat by 8.30. Showing up at 9.15 is not okay. I don't want to be seen as that personally. I don't want to be confrontational. But every single day you let someone be wrong, your resentment is driving your blood pressure up until you just can't take it anymore. And you're like, that person's got to go. Well, that person's doing good work. They're just not doing it when you want them to do it because they don't know that what you need is something different because you have not told them. We are terrible at this in the American culture, truly. And, um, and, one experience I had with a woman who came to me for help, and I said, well, this woman, this, she was working with this woman, young woman, and I, she goes, I'm going to have to fire her. I'm like, well, why? I thought she was doing a good job. Oh, her work is great. 
but she's just so lazy. She doesn't show up till whenever, you know. I said, well, did you tell her? Uh-huh. No. She, sh- she should know. Like, there is no should. If you're saying should, you need to stop right there and go back to say they should, but they don't. So you have to tell them. And I said, well, how long has she been doing this? Six months. I said, you've been letting her be wrong for six months. I said, when you talk to her, she's going to quit on you. You're not going to have time to fire her. <laughs> she's going to quit on you. Oh, no. Why would she quit on me? I'm the, she's the one in the wrong. I said, well, not really. Uh-huh. Sure enough, she called two days later. You're right, Lee. She ran out the door. She quit and took her purse and she ran out the door. I ran after her and she's still working here. I'm like, yeah, because nothing's ro- worse than being wrong for six for more than a day right 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 (laughs) and i don't mean wrong like in a bad way like no that was what uh, what is required is this and then you can have a conversation which is um okay so you want me here at eight o'clock every day uh why you know (laughs) why why is that um you know i work better at night well our work has to happen um, at eight o'clock because we have clients in Asia and we have clients in Europe and that's when they're working and we need to be available for that. Oh, you never told me that. Mm. I mean, truly, right? So um, we think people are ready for work. Uh, millennials think they're ready for work. We have not done a great job of, of preparing millennials for the actual work of work. And um, there's a lot of things we've done wrong as parents and as educators. So, uh, I would say for millennials, one, you shouldn't apologize for being a millennial. Millennial just means how old you are, right? 87% of millennials don't want to be called millennials. That tells you a lot, right? Yeah. Two, uh, it, it, work is hard. Work isn't easy. Work isn't meant to be easy, but work can be fulfilling and work can uh, uh, you know, make the world a better place. And you absolutely can find companies who your work will help make the world a better place. Um, and, but you need to do the work. And you need to um, help people get better. One thing I always tell the millennials, like you're going to start your job and you're going to see a better way to do something day one. You're going to say, why do we do it this way? Just don't say that day one. Just wait a few weeks, right? Because you just don't know what all the dependencies are. And the reason a process exists is because someone thought it was important. Um, And so do it their way first. And once you understand their way, then you can meet with people and say, you know, I had some ideas about how we can improve the efficiency of this, um, as opposed to just deriding. And this happens I every day I get a call about this or an email. You know, they thought I was stupid. Well, we're not stupid. We just don't know everything you know. Yeah, no, that's it. The more I mean, you can help us, the better it is. Yeah, we, we all have a, a role to play as educators, and I think a lot of times we forget yeah. that. Um, and that could be well, it's a- so hard. You know, we we Outlook business. We're an Outlook company, so everybody, all of our uh, emails on Outlook. We have people who start working here who've never worked on Outlook, and we have to train them backwards, right? They've been on Gmail since they were seven years old, Um, so we have to train them backwards on uh, what they would call archaic technology. Outlook is a much better email system than Gmail. It's much heavier. It's much more secure. All those kinds of things, but it's usually not what um, young people have used. So you have to train it backwards. Um, and that's a challenge, right? <laughs> that's a challenge it is. for them and yeah. for us. Yeah. Uh, for them and for us. At the same time, you know, I've learned so much from every single millennial comes in here. I, I learned so much from. Yeah. I learned so much from, the, you know, I, 
I remember the first time I said, oh, you know, send me a draft. And this woman sent me a Google link. I'm like, what's this link? What is this thing? You know, I had no clue what it was. <laughs> I never worked in Google Docs. You have people who have never printed out a document when they come to work here. Yeah. Uh, and the boomers in the house are like, print it out for me, please. I, I need to look at paper, you know. <laughs> so even that small device, it sounds like such a small thing. It's a huge cultural thing. And um, I and figuring out how you can work together so that you can appreciate the paper and appreciate the Google link um, is where the strength comes from. So then you can figure out when to use what and what's most effective. And you can all, you know, just being open to the fact that there are different ways to do things from being younger or being older is the first thing. And that's at my company. We say that over and over and over again uh, from day one, from day one. And that is what helps us keep people here longer than most agencies in San Francisco and New York. Oh, no, no, that's, uh, thank you for sharing that. And would you real quick, how would you say what, you know, working with Gen Z differs from millennials or is it the same? You know, Gen Z. So the, first of all, there's a, uh, difference of opinion about when Gen Z is right. Mm. Um, for me, uh, I use Pew Research as the guiding force because I just need something to gear my life on for that. Uh, and for them, Gen Z is anyone born after the year 2000. So those people are 17 this year and, and may not be in the workplace. Um, I would say the youngest uh, millennials, what I would call a millennial, um, 17 and uh, 17 to 35. Um, the youngest millennial is probably 17 to 22 and the oldest Gen Z 12 to 17, that group in there is a blended group, uh, between the two generations. And I think one of the differences is, um, a higher appreciation for, um, a higher appreciation for high standards of work and not so much. There isn't as much uh, everybody wins soccer anymore for this generation, Gen Z, as there was for millennials. And there's a sort of a return to um, a return to hard facts as opposed to, sure, we'll just increase your grade. The average grade point average in colleges rose 15, I'm sorry, rose one full point in 15 years when millennials were coming into uh, going into college, which means that most millennials uh, have an inflated grade uh, point average coming out of college than their older colleagues do. So you can get a 4.5 on a 4.0, which means when they start work and they do what they consider is great work, it actually is not up to par because that standard of work is not what uh, their older colleagues understand because there was no great inflation. You know, great inflation has always existed, but not on the scale that it existed for the millennial generation. And that is another big um source of tension in the workplace between the two generations. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Going back to facts. That is very, very interesting. Huh. It, it, it's funny. You know, I, I have uh, my brother's Gen Z, or I guess in your definition, he'll like, he'll be on that fringe, but he's, um, yeah. he's always like, nah, nah, I'm not a millennial. <laughs> he just started college. So he's, oh yeah. So he's like, he no, is. no. <laughs> he's like, you know, so I'm, 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 I'm Gen Z. I'm not a millennial. Uh, because we are. And a lot of that, Gen Z, you know, there's so much men, so much negativity around millennials. What did he say about being a Gen Z, though? I was, no, he was all about, you know, I'm, you know, we are focused on on all this. We believe in YouTube as our influencers. We don't need to watch the cable news. We don't, you know, because a lot, and it, this is true. A lot of even younger millennials will tell you that 
their stars are the people they've watched on digital platforms. These are the influencers that, they, that they've had and they've grown up with and they've sort of seen with the rise. You know, these influencers mm-hmm. became music stars. They're the ones that got off a deal from YouTube. They're the ones that have a following and built a merchandise platform from that. And so those are the people he knows. And he would mention that. And I'm like, yeah. Well, that's who we work with in our in my in my agency. You know, we work pub, traditional public relations is working with media relations. In our work, we work with media, you know, reporters. We work with influencers on YouTube or on or on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or Pinterest. Pinterest is huge for some audiences, um, and these are people who do not have journalism backgrounds, do not necessarily understand journalism standards, right? But have huge followings, right? Um, and can absolutely make a market by putting it on their Instagram feed. So we work with both, and and what we have found is that as these people are getting older um, and the law changes, right, the law has changed a lot for these influencers where they actually have to designate that they have been paid for something, Um, and that has really um, uh, caused a lot of the influencers to change their how they work, and what their standards are for influencer stuff. Um, so, but you're absolutely right in in that there's a lot of distrust in the media. Why shouldn't there be? I mean, yeah, that's a whole other yeah, podcast. that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's another podcast. But but that, that, that is the point. When you said the truth, then I was like, you know, that's even even I mean, even though I agree with that opinion for myself, I noticed that my brother, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to believe that. No, I'm going to go. Listen to this, and plus, who makes that person the authority? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which you know, uh, and particularly right now in the political scene, with seeing what's going on with Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Twitter and Google regarding the whole Russia influence on our last election, you know, the distrust in the platform is, you know, there's no reason that people should not be upset about that and not trust what they see without their own investigation. And the, there is definitely a um, – I'm involved with three different um, initiatives around how to be your own fact checker, how to mm. know what's fake and what's not, yep, right? me too. And the Gen Z group is going to be the one who gets educated on that the most. Uh, everyone who's older is going to have to figure that out. So as much as technology – I would say as much as technology really was the – benefit for the millennial they grew up with more power in their hands and went to the moon information discernment is going to be that power that gen z has because they're gonna um the distrust with other things right finding those trusted advisors that can't be influenced and i mean which is not untrue everyone can be influenced um but finding my own trusted uh sources of information that's where the Gen Z is going to be able to uh, have the power and the knowledge of how to discern uh, truth from fiction and propaganda from information. And I think that that is, is definitely going to have a huge impact not only in our politics, but in our culture and in our workforce. Awesome. No, I agree. I agree. You're so knowledgeable, Lee. <laughs> You're so knowledgeable. I read a lot. <laughs> yes, uh, no, I, I love it. So, where can people find out more about you, uh, your work, and your book? The best place to find me is on leecaraher.com, www.leecaraher.com. On Twitter, I'm at leecaraher. You can follow me uh, I blog and on my books and my agency. You can find all that stuff on those places. Yeah, that's good. It's good. And 
I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Before you yeah. leave, though, I want to ask you this. My mission statement. Use your difference. Yes. To make, yeah. Use your difference to make a difference. That's my mission statement. I always ask all my guests that at the end of the podcast or sometime in between the podcast. How do you, Lee, use your difference to make a difference? So I think my difference is that I can I am an exponentializer. I can see how people can make a tremendous impact and organizations can make a tremendous impact and I don't settle for incremental. So if I'm working with a nonprofit that I'm on the board of, I you know, I I see the bigger impact they can make and I push them towards it. Um and that is how I try to make a difference uh, in my own life, making sure I'm exponentializing myself and the people around me are exponentializing themselves and the organizations are making a bigger positive impact in the world faster. Well, yeah. Putting you all into it, not half baking it and you're making sure that you're, you're being authentic, which is what you said at the beginning of the podcast. You're always authentically you. So thank you so much for being the lead character that we need her to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> don't want me just because it's such such affirmation oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) no i I love it i love it and i i guess you're gonna be getting a tattoo soon and it's not gonna be a neck tattoo so i've also learned something else so (laughs) 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 you'll be able to see you if i want you to (laughs) gotcha 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 well uh i i I do want to thank you for your time and thank you for making uh, this episode a very pleasurable one. Thank you for educating us on a myriad of things. We'll make sure we put the word out there by a book. And um, uh, thank you. just want to be, uh, I know you have a busy schedule, so I'm pretty, pretty humbled that you took the time to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor. Really, what an honor. Thank you. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.